You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to another episode of Nightmare Alley, the detour podcast in the Nightmare on Film Street feed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we are here today to talk with Sputnik director Igor Abramenko. Uh, Sputnik came out last week, August 14th, from your friends at IFC Midnight, which I keep saying for some reason, I don't know why. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. It's- you know you know why I think? it's It reminds me of old Grindhouse trailers, specific- specifically the trailers in Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez's Grindhouse. Mostly, I think, because they have been putting out grindhouse style trailers for each of their movies. Posters. I meant to say posters, my mistake. Uh, because IFC is the only film distributor right now that is still continuing to put out movies at the theater. Drive-ins, specifically. But the moment the pandemic started, IFC stepped up uh, and did what they had to to make sure that we had new content at the drive-in theater. They are killing the drive-in game. Insane, right? I was re- I was reading an article recently that they're only like 2.6% behind last year's revenue. You were reading an article. <laughs> oh, I read sometimes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, Sputnik, as John said, is out now. You can catch it at drive-ins if there's a theater near that's open, although not Nightmare on Film Street approved. Or VOD. Also available on VOD. VOD. So you don't even have to leave your footy pajamas. Sputnik is set in 1983. Cold War era of Russia. This is John's bag. Oh, yes, it's my bag. (laughs) Very much my bag. He gets twinkly eyes for Cold War (laughs) shit. I don't know what it is. Suspicion, paranoia. It's, oh, yeah. Government lies. (laughs) Right? Oh, boy. This movie could not have come out at a better time. Let's be real, right? Yeah, UFO shit everywhere. We watched, you know, we watched this movie a little early. Uh, We watched it back in June, and that was right when all the fucking, like, oh, the Senate wants the CIA to do, I don't know any of the actual stuff Unclassified, reclassified, unclassified, public. Public. We want to hear about it. We're all thirsty for public. Yeah, and (laughs) thirsty for aliens, and uh, that's the, oh boy, does this movie deliver. This movie's got such a good alien monster. I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying that. Nope. Nope. Not at all. And one that just, like, when I think about it, just makes my stomach turn. Like, it's, uh, like, you know, you you will hear the director himself talk about referencing Ridley Scott's Alien. Uh, but in the in the press release that came with the movie, like, the, the core idea for, like, the horror behind it came from, uh, you know, just the thought that, pff, you know, wouldn't it suck if all of a sudden you had a snake living inside your stomach? And it kind of just expanded from there. My greatest fear in life is tapeworms. Oh, so. man. Can you imagine just drinking a glass of water without, no. like, <laughs> and yeah. then finding out that, you, like, oh, you got a bunch of bugs in you now. Do you remember that freaky story we were growing up about the woman that was eating this new, unapproved, non-FDA, like, diet pill, and it was a tapeworm? Ugh. Yeah. That's, no. Tapeworms are crazy. Let's not get into it, but... There's this fish, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, side note. There's this fish that eats the tongue of another fish and Hell then yeah. becomes that fish's tongue. Right. That's like a tongue tapeworm. And then it eats its food. Can you imagine if you went to go like eat a burger and your tongue was just like, hop, hop, hop? Like <laughs> you had to get a tiny or smaller burger to distract <laughs> oh your tongue God. while you ate your burger? 
And then yes, every so, time you accidentally um, bit your tongue, you got punched in the side of the one mouth. One grandpa burger, one slider, please. <laughs> so we're talking about aliens today. Yes. And I, I highly encourage you to, to check out Sputnik. It is a super great movie. It's... You know, very period authentic. Got a great paranoid atmosphere going on. Super moody, super delicious. Love the the pace and the tone of this one. I know we're hopped up on the alien goodness, but this one definitely paints a really great picture. Oh, and yeah. And if you're a space nerd, they use actual cosmonaut spacesuits in this movie. You're going to hear all about it. I was like, don't spoil the interview, John. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a really good interview. We were very thankful uh, to, to sit down and talk with uh, the director, Igor Abramenko. All the way from Moscow. Pretty sweet. Yeah. The, the magic of Zoom. But let's, let's get into it. Enjoy Sputnik and enjoy our interview with director Igor Abramenko. Надо было мне сразу вам все So, Igor, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We're really excited to talk to you about Sputnik. Well, thanks a lot for having me today. It's a pleasure. Yeah, and, and congrats on your debut feature. This is this is your first feature film. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's exciting. And uh, I look forward to receiving the feedback from, from the people and exciting about the release. Yeah, I'm sure this could be like a, a little bit of a stressful time worrying about uh, how people are going to take the film. But what what was it like directing uh, a larger feature for the first time? Well, um, that was kind of stressful, <laughs> stressful <laughs> thing, I would say. I mean, that um, my first experience with the full feature, I had quite the big background with shooting commercials, music videos, and I was... Uh, working a lot in the short form, but that that specific movie uh, was really sort of spiritual journey, and I mean that that that, that, that was kind of personal project and that took me almost five years to make. Wow. So, oh wow! Uh, yeah. So right now, the Sputnik is a huge part of my life, and uh, sometimes. Uh, 
you know, when I see the upcoming reviews or the news articles, I can't even believe that it's uh, it's over. I mean, that I don't need to go back to post production to fix something, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> so yeah. The film's set in 1983, and it has a great sort of Cold War era paranoia atmosphere to it. Uh, what was it like trying to de- to design and create such a um, such a time period that everybody's kind of familiar with? Uh, well, um, initially we picked up this specific period because of the you know overall aesthetics of 80s. I mean that that time period really attracted us in terms of its uh, visual form, in terms of interior design, in terms of costume, in terms of, uh, you know, other stuff that we could play on with uh, on a visual level. And also the other reason why we chose this, this time was, you know, was because, you know, it was quite crucial period for uh, Russian history. You know, it's... Uh, 1983 it was something in the middle uh, it was just a few years before the perestroika started and still it was a soviet society but that was sort of a transition time period when the people's mindsets uh, were changing their beliefs were changing they were going into you know the new era and we thought that it would be great time to unfold our story you know and also you know that the great thing i think that the 80s it's a really golden era for great sci-fi movies so i mean it was a match so (laughs) that's why i think we picked up this period yeah there's there's something so great too about seeing like the the slightly outdated technology and the spacesuits and stuff there's just something so like i like i'm not nostalgic for old space travel but like i guess i kind of am (laughs) Yeah. At the very least, you want to see an old computer. Yeah, I just love seeing like old dials and knobs and computer screens or something just so wonderful about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's always fun, to, you know, to work with a, such retro texture. So, and you, you're right. And during our shooting, we had tons of this cool prop that uh, was on our set. And uh, I mean, uh, they are just beautiful things and you, you would love to put it, to insert it in, into the sequence, into the scene. So, yeah, it was fun to have it. And you also shot on location at an actual uh, institute, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the, uh, you're absolutely right that we've got lucky and we just, uh, you know, by the chance we discovered this amazing place, which is a biochemical institute, and it's absolutely functional working facility, and it's huge. And we, from the beginning, we've been trying, you know, to be very authentic in terms of delivering a correct image of uh, Soviet time period. But on the other hand, we just wanted to do it slightly differently i mean that at one at one point we just discovered we, we just realized uh that you know we, we've been telling about the alternative soviet history the things that never happened officially you know it's like we never we never knew if the first contact maybe already occurred and it's you know it's hidden somewhere inside the 
top secret KGB files, and uh, and we we and we really love that idea. We followed that that principle, and we just just decided to imagine what style, what kind of you know texture would fit this idea, uh, this atmosphere, and we immediately thought about you know this brutalism which is a amazing architectural style and was quite popular in soviet union and uh, most importantly that it you know reflects this feel of dread of uh, you know of terror and after that we we started we started to searching for such locations and as i already said we discovered this amazing place where we shot the 17% of our movie was was that architectural style called brutalism when it was like in vogue like when they were actually building it or is that something that you, you've like attributed to it after the fact no no i mean that that's an actual style brutalism and uh, we were deeply inspired by it and um, uh, so it's uh, brutalism it's a part of constructivism which was very popular you know in soviet union and we've found a, a lot of been inside that institute and uh so we did and we used it yeah it's it's perfect it, it really brings out the entire look that you're going for in this movie and it's i'm, I'm sure it would have been very hard to get that same look to like replicate that yeah, yeah. On, on a on a limited budget and a set somewhere yeah yeah absolutely i mean that's um it's a uh, truly really hard to rebuild that and but i mean uh then we uh, we built a few sets. We had uh, a few sets, and we've been working a few days on the sound stage. But uh, the majority part of the movie was shot on location, on real location, and it you know it helped a lot. For instance, uh, for, for the actors because you know they've been existing in real locations, uh, in real laboratories, uh, you know, and. Uh, they literally felt this claustrophobic feel of paranoia, uh, the walls that covering them, and totally, it was fun. So, like, uh, obviously, in the United States, North America, like, we all point to Area 51 as like our location where maybe they have aliens. Is there like a specific building or location in Russia that is like a hub for conspiracy theories? Well, great question. I mean, that, uh, well, while prepping the movie, we did a research on a topic and we discovered that sort of Area 51 military base existed in 80s in USSR for a couple of years. Uh, mostly they've been doing research on a telepathy and people with such abilities. That was kind of an experimental project that was, you know, quickly shut down due to its inefficiency. But um, we'll find a few articles about that place. And actually, that place inspired us, you know, to create the image of our own military base, of our own Soviet Area 51, the movie. And at that point, we also thought that uh, if such thing, the first contact would have occurred, a special KGB unit would handle such thing. And we... Uh, we allowed ourselves to create this special KGB unit from the scratch. So we come up with a, you know, we design a uniform, special patches. We used an experimental types of weaponry. And uh, so, yeah, that was like that. 
That's fun because like they, they, they look and feel real, especially given that you've blended them in with a lot of really authentic space uniforms. Didn't you use probably not real space uniforms, but replicas of uh, of cosmonaut spacesuits in the beginning? Actually, actually, at the beginning, at the very first scene, uh, the suits that we've been using, they're real. And, oh, shit. oh, cool. Uh, they're absolutely real. And those... So uh, that's the thing. Uh, the first two scenes, the first one on uh, orbit, the second one is uh, is the landing itself. It was shot separately in different days. And the first one we shot on the sound stage, but we shot it after the second scene. And uh, while we've been shooting the second scene, which which came first uh, in our shooting schedule, we just literally destroyed the uh, suits. And those suits were ours. I mean, they were uh, exact replicas of the real uh, space suits. Uh, And then we realized that we need to do additional shooting. We need to have this orbit scene. But, you know, we just... our suits were destroyed as i said and we just you know asked uh, well the organization which called the roscosmos uh it's a well basically it's a russian nasa uh, uh, if they could provide this use for us and they said yeah sure and they came up with a real suit that we've been using during that sequence and that was a uh, well i would say that was hell of a nightmare for the actors to act in those use because oh. they were really uncomfortable and the uh, you know the oxygen box was attached to each suit uh, the special you know box that were ventilating those suits because you immediately start to sweat when you're inside mm. those suits and you need these ventilations and our actors between the takes they were sitting in their chairs with these boxes they've been <laughs> ventilating them I mean that I, I can't even imagine what they came through. <laughs> it almost sounds like it would have been. It sounds. It almost sounds like it would have been easier to film it in space, at least for <laughs> at least for them, right? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That that was hell of a shooting because there was gimbal and the stage, those suits, and yeah, and that was challenging. What kind of like superhuman like negotiating power do you have to just call people up and say, "Hey, can we take your?" like piece of history spacesuits and can we just <laughs> film in your medical institute while we make a monster movie that's insane to me yeah i mean sometimes i keep asking myself the same question how did i achieve <laughs> that and i don't know i mean that i had a really extraordinary crew in the team that i've been working with i mean the my dp my production designer they did a great job and also uh, i love i mean that my producers that were very helpful and sometimes we will, when we just had no options uh, we, I told them that guys we, we, we need to build this capsule for the first scene and we need to to find those suits they they made it happen wow. I mean yeah it was sort of a miracle and um, great efforts of different wonderful people that we have, have been involved this project yeah it sounds like they really spoiled you for your first feature that's great (laughs) yeah kind of (laughs) you know there's there's a lot of stories about stanley kubrick uh negotiating shooting in the war room for dr strangelove and how you know that led to him filming the moon landing and i 
I wouldn't be surprised if somebody says that, like, you're in bed with the KGB at this point. Oh, maybe you're going to have your own conspiracy theories yeah. soon. <laughs> like, if, if aliens crash land, like, actual aliens Maybe crash you'll get land. to film it. Yeah! <laughs> do you, uh, this maybe seems like a good point, and I'm sure you're probably sick of getting asked this question, but do you believe in aliens? UFOs. Say, cl- UFOs. say classy. All right, you believe in UFOs. <laughs> I do believe. I do believe in UFOs. I do believe in aliens, and uh, I must tell you that I strongly believe that every director who touches upon such a theme is a really true believer of extraterrestrial life. I mean, that that's my point. And uh, that's, uh, well, um, I, I honestly hope that one day we will meet that. I mean, that I hope that mostly it would be not like an Independence Day, but like an arrival movie. And they will... <laughs> will not annihilate us. They will bring some knowledge, you know, something that we can use. And, uh, but I mean that uh, when I was a kid, I was, you know, thinking a lot about that. I was asking like stupid questions to, to my parents uh, about such stuff. And um, I was thinking a lot about, uh, you know, I mean that... Well, it will sound silly, but yeah, as I said, I, I strongly believe that we're not alone. And I hope someday that uh, I'll see, you know, these first contacts. I'm with you, man. Like, I uh, I don't know how possible it's going to be, but yeah, I spent my entire childhood just like staring at the sky, bugging my parents about stuff that they didn't want to hear about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, maybe focusing more on uh, on alien movies, like what are um, what are some of those '80s sci-fi movies that uh, that inspired you to become a filmmaker, and maybe also inspired the inspired Sputnik itself? Uh well, there were a lot of inspirations for Sputnik. Uh, I mean, the really Scott's Alien is is a quite an obvious example. I mean, that's the uh, this movie is in DNA of Sputnik, but uh, and also there were a lot of different other sorts of inspirations that me and my crew used throughout the prepping the Sputnik. But uh, speaking of films that um, affected me personally, inspired me to do movies, uh, I, I recall, you know, well, I think that Steven Spielberg and Ridley Scott movies uh, were my first real movie experiences. I recall it was... It was 1996. I was a kid. I was living in a south, in a small town in south of Russia, and my dad just got back from business trip, and he brought home the very first VHS tape, which was Jurassic Park, which just came out, and uh, I watched it. I was truly made with the in shock with this world of dinosaurs that suddenly came to life. Um, after that, I watched the Indiana Jones trilogy, and uh, I quite like that. Uh, but uh, there is one uh, fun fact. I also had another tape, which was labeled uh, Indiana Jones Part 4, and it was still 1996. And as we all know, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull didn't come out yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I just watched it, and... I didn't understand why Harrison Ford, instead of a hat and a whip, was wearing this slim, long jacket and carrying a blaster. And oh, his shit. name, his name wasn't Diana Jones anymore. His name was Rick Deckard, and you know he was <laughs> trying to catch these androids. And so uh, basically, I watched Blade Runner. Yeah, I, 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 didn't, I didn't get it. I, I just I didn't understood what I watched, but I was really 
gripped by you know this dark gloomy atmosphere this mixture of science fiction and noir movies and well um since that i mean that i mean still blade runner is one of among my favorite movies and it affected me a lot definitely i mean and you can see it too like there's uh, I, I don't necessarily remember where blade runner was filmed but uh, but yeah it has some of that brutalism type architecture in in the future world that that ridley scott created there yeah yeah definitely and um that that, that that's that was a great decision i mean that he showed that the future society like no one showed it before i mean it's it's unique and it's still unique i mean that it's it's great oh yeah i gotta get you to see that sometime yeah i haven't seen it yeah you love you love it Roger howard's the bad guy he's great um <laughs> So, uh, so do you play like just given your love for that and and the and the two films you've made now, like Passenger, your short, and and Sputnik? Are you planning on staying in the sci-fi horror space? Well, absolutely. Uh, I think that science fiction is the is the great genre that allows you to play a lot with the themes, with the different concepts. It uh, helps you to expand your abilities to tell the stories. So, and I mean that. I would definitely, I would like to stay in that genre and keep exploring it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like when I, when I think sci-fi, I think uh, like science fiction is always stories about humanity. Right. And uh, you know, like my limited knowledge on Russian film seems to be very interested in the human condition. So I think, I think this is a great unison. I think, (laughs) I think you're in the right spot. And uh, actually actually just mentioning your, your short passenger, is that available anywhere right now? I'm afraid no. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I think it's just a trailer somewhere, but uh, I don't think there is an open link somewhere. So we just, yeah, we uh, because you know initially uh, the passenger it wasn't like a kind of standalone movie. I would say that it, that was a part of this long process of building the full feature because we did it uh, intentionally as a proof of concept short and we we just got lucky and we you know we showed it on fantastic fest uh, at austin and uh, in at scream fest uh, in los angeles and so it it, it has sort of festival history but uh, we never you know uh, considered this movie is a, a standalone piece it's you know it's a just short introduction into the world of Sputnik that set up a character, the environment, the texture of the movie. And do you do you see Sputnik as sort of like a spiritual sequel to that? Because we I haven't seen Passenger, but from what I understand, it's more or less about a a parasite type alien. I think it it acts quite a bit differently. Well, yeah, it's uh, I think that's correct definition. It's a spiritual sequel to the passenger because you know in the passenger it was slightly different story, but uh, it worked out uh, eventually because it was the story that unfolds in seventies and depicted this cosmonaut, the Soviet hero that got back from the orbit, uh, but instead of going into the military base when he's got locked up he went straight home and he ended up in his apartment at the center of moscow and at one point we realized that he's not alone he's living with this creature in his moscow apartment so uh it was slightly different but as i said the main goal of this short was to you know 
to set up uh, set up the yeah. the world to to show the the hero and uh, to show this you know this contrast that that's a very common environment. It's a Soviet Union, uh, Soviet space hero, but he's living with a predator with a creature inside his apartment. So yeah. <laughs> That's some scary shit. Are you working on anything now? Is there anything people can look forward to? Well, uh, I'm developing a few projects right now at the same time. And um, as I said, the, both of them are uh, in a science fiction uh, field. And uh, I don't want to go into the details, but uh, uh, I have a, a long list of my favorite movies, but uh, I would pick two. The Alien is the first one. So I already did a movie about the aliens. The next, uh, my fa- the next, my favorite movie is a Blade Runner that we already discussed. It. So I would say that my next movie would be about artificial intelligence, about the robots and all that stuff. That so yeah, and I'm working on a script right now, and I hope that we would eventually. Uh, we'll make it. Are you? I got. I got one other question I want to ask, but like, uh, just thinking about some of your answers, are you just like a little bit scared of the future? Like, do you, do you <laughs> like? Do you think that we're, there, something is gonna like the great filter is coming and we're not ready for it? Like everybody else, I mean, you never <laughs> <It's> know. <true. laughs> Maybe this is a bad time to ask that question. <laughs> we're all scared. <laughs> right yeah. on. Well. uh Thank you, thank you again for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, before we let you go, we like to ask everybody um, what their dream double feature would be at the drive-in if they could program one uh, double feature. <laughs> uh, that's it's very tough question. I mean, it's really hard to pick up. But <laughs> I would say that uh, if we if we're talking about the drive-ins double feature, it would definitely be John Carpenter's movie, and I would say it would be Assault on Precinct Thirteen right and on. The Thing. That's great. And yeah. the thing. Do you guys have drive-ins there like like they are in North America? Uh, no, we don't. But they started to appear because of the pandemic. Because oh, cool. Of the quarantine. They, I, I just read that about like five drive-ins just opened this month in Moscow. So it's, it's amazing how, you know, the pandemic and the lockdown allows new places to appear. I mean, yeah. So that's... A good thing. And you, like IFC, sorry, did you say something? Oh, I was just going to say that like we have a bunch of drive-ins here, but yeah, because of the pandemic, like we're finding them popping up in parking lots. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I've never been to Russian drive-ins, but I assume they pretty the same. <laughs> Screen, just, car. Space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, IFC has been doing an incredible job of taking their, their movies and bringing them to drive-ins so people still have a chance to see them. Uh, I know Sputnik is yeah. playing uh, in in North America. Do you know if Sputnik's gonna be playing at drive-ins in Russia? That would be cool. Uh, no, actually, because we already had our Russian release, which was in April, and oh. we unfortunately we we uh, went out uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and we released straight to the VOD. So, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean that uh, we like kind of used the momentum that a lot of people, everybody was staying home and a lot of people watched our movie. And so <laughs> that was a good thing. But I'm really glad, I'm really happy that, you know, the, the people in the world in other countries who would get a chance to watch our movie on the big screen because uh, initially this movie was designed for, for a big screen. Definitely. Yeah, there's so much atmosphere. They all enjoyed it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much again, Igor, for taking the time to talk to us. We were uh, like really, really enjoyed Sputnik. It was a great movie. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me today. Sputnik is playing at select drive-ins and movie theaters right now, and it's also available on demand and VOD. Be sure to let us know what you thought of the movie over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast, on Instagram at Nightmare on Film Street, on Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash Nightmare on Film Street, and of course in the Horror Movie Fiend Club at facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. But until next week, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay creepy. We've spared your soul this week, fiend, but only because you've earned it. More exclusive content can be found lurking at patreon.com slash nightmare on film street. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.